breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Well, if aliens were trying to visit Earth, this show would make them leave. How are you doing, everybody? Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Hey, nice win for Canada this morning at the Women's World Cup. I actually got up and watched the game. Well, I missed the first 13 minutes. I, I didn't jump out, jump out of bed when the alarm went off. So I didn't see Ireland's goal. Canada went on to win 2-1, so a big win at the Women's World Cup. U.S. and Netherlands plays tonight at 7. The Blue Jays played uh, this afternoon. They won 8-1 on the road against the L.A. Dodgers. The scoreboard update presented by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. The Edmonton Elks getting ready for the Saturday night game against the B.C. Lions at Commonwealth. It's on 6.30, Chad, 3.30 with the countdown to kickoff, and the game is at 5. And, of course, the uh, host of the countdown to kickoff and the points after show is my good buddy Brendan Escott, who joins me in studio now. Good day, sir. How are you doing? A lot better if I can figure out whether or not my microphone is working. Just hit the mic on, but you can't see the mic light. Mic on? No, that's the problem. We, uh, we, there we, is, in fact, on. a red light, a, and I can hear myself quite well, there. and I trust everyone else can. I'm doing well. Thanks you, for having me you on. You, of course, are the owner of one of the greatest golf shots I've ever seen in person by a, someone in my playing group. <laughs> Last year at Bill Woods, uh, was it, it's the, it was the first par three on the front nine. I think it's the third or fourth hole. I don't play Bill Woods that often. I think it's the fourth hole. You were pin high, left rough off the green. The uh, pin was to the right of the green. And you hit this. I don't know if you meant to hit it that low or that hard. Because if it hadn't hit the pin and gone in the cup, it might still be rolling a year later. <laughs> it was, uh, it's what I like to call the eight iron bump. But it bumped and boy, it ran. And uh, fortunately for me, it ran into the pole and fell down and remains one of the reasons why I can convince myself to go out onto the golf course again. Because there's very few of those types of shots, Reed, but you only need a select few to keep you wanting to come back and chase that kind of glory. That's right. Now, was that for birdie or was that... Uh, for par. In all likelihood, for par. If it was for birdie, it would have stood up in my <laughs> mind. So it I'm was, sure that was to was save like par. A dramatic chip in for a par, a par on, save. on a par three. Yes, Which was right. better than saving a bogue or, or oh, whatever else. Well, I, I, have, so. I have plenty of incredible bogey saving putts. Not many for par or birdie. Actually, I don't really have many incredible putts of any variety. Anyway, thanks for uh, sticking around and joining me in studio to get the, uh, to get the show going. So... Uh, th- th- the Chris Jones was talking today, and we'll get to some of the clips later on. And I had Jake Serezna on the show last night, and you kind of have to keep asking it at this point. How's how's the attitude? What mindset do you try to instill? And Chris Jones was basically saying, "Well, we like we have to practice the same way." Like he's not. He said, "We we run a we have situations. We pretend there's a minute 40 left and we're down three and have no timeouts left. We pretend there's two minutes left. Like they, they're doing the same things in practice. And I think that's kind of what I re- want to remind all the Elks fans and maybe even myself a little bit. They're, like we're talking about the team with this sense of panic, hopelessness, dismay, whichever emotion might be dominant for people. Like the practices aren't a bunch of guys running around panicking about being 0-7. I mean, they, they know what they are, but they're still trying to work on situations and clean everything up. 
No, and I, I've had once a week, I have the opportunity tomorrow will be my chance to go down there and take it all in, interview a couple of the players, talk to the coach if I feel so inclined, which, uh, you know, some days is a little easier than others for sure. Uh, but, you know, you, you don't get the sense that things are too tight there, as you're saying, and you don't get the sense either that things are too loose or that nobody cares about it. I mean, you, you really just have this sort of determined, stubborn mindset, which to me, the more that this goes on the more I see is a complete embodiment of Chris Jones as the coach and I don't necessarily think it's I mean the record indicates that that might be a bad thing but uh, the the problem is that they don't have a quarterback that has been able to um, be the difference in a game that's been able to overcome those one or two plays that have sunk them in all seven tries this year and we've seen uh, Dustin Crum obviously make a pretty good case for the ability of a quarterback to you know drag a team in into the fight and and we're still waiting to see that for a wall-to-wall effort for for Edmonton because I think we see a lot of good out of the defense in the first place and when the offense starts to let it down that's when the whole team sags and that's where the losses start to rack up. Well, Jake Sarizda admitted last night, the defensive lineman, that, that it can be frustrating when the offense doesn't put anything on the board when you're giving them a chance to take the lead or score points. You mentioned stubbornness, and I, I know I, I said that after the last game that, you know, Cornelius doesn't play very well most of the time. Um, we've seen Stephen McAdoo as the OC in this league before, including here, and I even in 14 and 15 sometimes I didn't like the way he called <laughs> games, and they had pretty good years. Uh, and I said, you know, Jones is sticking with both. Like, like, it's, it is a little frustrating um, because they're starting to sort of lose the same way over and over again. It's not, oh, well, this week they actually scored 37 points, but they gave up 39. It's, it's pretty much a formula. The first half is relatively close. The offense can't take advantage of chances. The defense gets worn down and it slips away in the third and fourth quarters. So how, how do you change that? Is that coaching stubbornness, or is, or is that just who they have? Is that just who they are right now? Well, to me, you've got to finish better in the first place. You've got to be able to to make it count earlier in the game when you are having success you know out of the gate we saw a better effort there and and finishing drives is where you're going to be able to start building separation from teams as I say so you're not losing every game on um, a ball that goes over a player's head and accounts for one point or you're one yard away from the deciding score and you can't punch it into the end zone or you're one yard away and the league's best receiver fumbles it and gets hurt and hasn't played since, for example. So, you know, it, it seems like if if not for a little bit of finish offensively, these games could be a lot different. So how much does that provide an energy lift and how far would that carry them? That's a luxury we haven't had the opportunity to figure out, but there hasn't been a lot of consequence to the poor play. Uh, I think the quarterback position is the most obvious place that we've seen that, but it's not quite at the 
time of year yet where there's going to be guys really scrambling and looking over their shoulder for jobs. The first wave of NFL camp cuts and NFL camps are opening up right now, by the way. So the timer, the the sands and the hourglass are starting to fall a little bit here. Um, I wonder if that's going to start bringing uh, a different factor in. And that is now I've got to play for my job because they, they may not have a team good enough to find a victory right now. I'd like to think that their, their surrounding cast is that there may be a piece or two away, but, you know, 0-7 is a pretty loud record. Brandon Escott joining us here uh, in studio to get us rolling here on Inside Sports. Hosts our Elks broadcast here on 6.30. Chad, he's also the uh, producer of Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Noon to 2 every day here on Chad. After Labor Day, it's going to be moving to 5 to 7 p.m. Um, yeah, BC is I mean, outstanding defense. And here's, here's the thing you got to remember about the Lions, and I made this point last night. Okay, they shut out the Elks. I mean, Ottawa was pretty darn close to shutting out the Elks, quite frankly. The, the day, and this, to me, this is the, the, the defining game of the season so far. This is the one. I know the Ottawa-Winnipeg one, classic ending. Ottawa-Calgary just had a great game. There have actually been some pretty good games. Um, but to me, the game that up, uh, like, that, that flipped the, the, the power rankings on their head a little bit was the following week after the shutout. In Winnipeg, British Columbia 30, Winnipeg 6. So you shut out Edmonton, beat them by 22. You go into Winnipeg and win by 24. That, that was the bigger statement. Getting a shutout is great, but going into Winnipeg and doing that, that was to me the biggest statement of the year so far, and the Lions made it. The Bombers were getting booed off the field, and it was their third home loss in 31 regulation games. Like, it's if that's not a jaded group of fans at IG Field that night, I don't know what is. I mean, good grief. Everybody's got to lose at some point, but you're right. It was the manner in which they lost that had them all riled up. It was suffocating. It was dominant. Three points from the Bombers from the two-time... I don't even know what what the word is. Three Western championships in a row. I'm thinking of Zach Caleros, the two-time most outstanding player, back-to-back most outstanding player. Um, You know, and you're shutting him out. So it's one thing to do that to the Elks offense, but you're right. And that took a little bit of the the sting in my mind out of that shutout loss as well to say, okay, BC is actually quite legit. Uh, And so is Matthew Betts. And that just sucks. That sucks to see. Matthew Betts is going to be on the show later. He is a former Elk. He has 10 sacks already this season. And uh, we will talk to him about what he's doing there and uh, his transition to playing for the Lions, where he has been absolutely excellent. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I know you got to get going. Uh, of course, I will uh, see you tomorrow, but have a good evening, Brandon. Thanks for having me, Reed. That is Brandon Escott as we get rolling on Inside Sports. You have Matthew Betts coming up a little later. Mookie Mitchell, one of the all-time great receivers in the CFL, will join us. And uh, we'll get an update on the Edmonton Stingers and their push for the playoffs when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. 
Greg, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Almost 20 minutes after 6, Mookie Mitchell coming up after the 6.30 news. Matthew Betts between 7 and 7.30. And I'm pleased right now to welcome back to the show. He is the president and one of the owners of the Edmonton Stinkers of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Reed Clark checking in. Reed, how's it going? Oh, it's going really good, Reed. I'm actually just on the scene of Sambus as we, uh, we enter Calgary. Ready to take on the third tonight. Uh, tell me about putting this fan bus together and, uh, you know, how you've seen the fans uh, rally and grow around the team over the last uh, almost five seasons. Yeah, yeah, I mean, first with the Stinger Super Fan bus that we put out there, uh, our last two home games, we, we mentioned it a few times, let's put it on the screen. We just told people, said, you know, tell us how much you love the Stingers, take a picture of yourself in your gear at the games. And, and let's see if we can round up a few people to go down to Calgary and kind of take over the Surge's home environment and win sports center. And uh, we got flooded with, you know, some very great messages, pictures from our fans. And uh, we were able to put two buses together, Reed. So we got over 100 people coming right down to, uh, to invade Calgary and show our stinger support. So it's... Um, it's been great to see it. It's kind of, you know, really humbled by how the fans have responded this year. I mean, we're up over 150%. We sold out our last four games. You could get a ticket if you wanted to. People tried or texted me. Um, so it's great to see that momentum build up and it just every game get bigger and bigger. And uh, like I said, we're just we're humbled to kind of see this sort of support and, and glad that everyone in the city is embracing basketball. Yeah, well, good for you guys. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I love the league and I think it's a great quality of basketball. Unfortunately, the game I went to this season did go the Stingers' way, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, 8-10 uh, and 10 on the season. Calgary's 10-8. Yep. and eight. Winnipeg yeah. leads the Western Conference at 12-7. and seven. Now, Reed, I'm going to be open with you, and if you've listened to me before, you know, sometimes I complain about playoff formats. Uh, yeah. I, I know the CBL needs to have that sort of weekend with uh, the semifinals and the championship game all in one city and promote it and sell tickets, but... Uh, uh, the host team gets, if I understand it, the host team is getting a pretty big break this year. Could you tell, kind of tell us how this is breaking down this year? Yeah, so in the CBL, there's championship weekend. So that's on the Friday, August 11th. The semifinals are played, and that's actually now it's a, a Western Conference final and an Eastern Conference final. And then the winners from that play in the CBL championship on the Sunday, August 13th. But what happens is they got to do it in one place where the host is. So this year it's it's in Vancouver at the Langley Event Center. But because of that, the Vancouver Bandits get the they get a buy to the semifinals where they're the home team, Reed. Um, and they're not a good team for falling this year. They're not good. I think they're six and twelve. Am I right? Five yep, and twelve. Correct. Six um, and twelve. Yep. They beat us on Friday, which I'm still not happy about. But you know, we don't like that. We don't like that rule from the Emerson Stingers' perspective. Uh, last year, Ottawa wasn't very good, if you remember, and they hosted and they got in the semifinals, uh, where they actually won because it's a one game, the winner takes all, right? And then they and then they actually lost in the championship game. But. Um, Yes, you know, in that format, you know, it's not great. I, I think the purpose of it was, you know, to get the fans out. But I think now we're at a point, and we've seen with the attendance from us, you know, Winnipeg's doing well, Calgary's doing well, Vancouver's doing well, Audi, Scarborough's doing well, and some of the others, Montreal. I, I don't think we need that anymore, right? So, I mean, that's going to be our push to see if we can, you know, take that kind of rule away. And, you know, weekend or something is great, but I think there's different ways of doing it. 
Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see even a best of three championship series with yeah. the higher seed hosting all the games, you know, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I think that that would get fans out in that city. So you, so what is the path now? Um, like, and I know there's playoff games before that championship weekend. Could we have a playoff game here in Edmonton, or what's going to happen yeah. uh, coming up? Great question. Yes, we could. Uh, so we've got two road games left. So we play in a couple hours here, 8 o'clock on TSN live against Calgary. So that's our second last game, uh, road game of the season. So if we win tonight and then we play in Saturday in Winnipeg, we win Saturday. And Calgary loses their next two games. So obviously they would lose tonight. And then they, they lose to Saskatchewan uh, this weekend. And we would actually host a playoff game and we'd be hosting Calgary. Uh, and that would be on Friday, August 4th, and that would be from the Flair Line Tangler and the Edmonton Expo Center. So so there's a real chance we can do it. If we win one of our two games, we'll be in the playoffs, but we'll be in the road, and, and most likely head down to Calgary again. Okay, so whoever finishes fourth in the Western Conference is out, though. Correct. And then yes. three plays at two, and then the winner of that plays at one to play the yes. last place team in the conference final <laughs> because it's Vancouver. Yeah, you, you just okay. summed it up perfectly. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, I'm, now, see, now, now you're going to be upset at me because I'm going to spend the next two weeks complaining about this. Uh, but anyway. Oh, I, oh, I'm sitting there on the table, Reed. Like, like, there might be some. Uh, there might be a way that we can change some of these format issues. Well, after after so. this year, I, I, I hope it. Uh, I hope it changes for sure. But it, but again, you win one of your next two games, you're for sure in the postseason, and and then you uh, you got a shot at it. Uh, I don't know if there's any. Like I know the league has grown from six to ten since it started. Is there any? And maybe you can't share yet even if there is but is there any more growth coming for next year or are we going to try and ride these 10 franchises here for a while what's going on I mean, we really like our 10 franchises. We have five in the West, five in the East now. Uh, there's talks about one more in the East and one more in the West. Um, I think one of those could happen, maybe two uh, for next season. We'll see how it works out. You could probably guess the markets uh, if you really thought about it too hard. But, they, you know, there's some good basketball markets, and uh, we've kind of shown that we actually, you know, we, we maybe do better in, in actually the bigger markets in Canada than some of the small markets where they thought originally they could put a team in where any, you know, always, or WHL or Q team is, is in. But, um, yeah, I think the big markets in Canada, it just makes sense for us with how many basketball players, the demographics. Uh, so there's a, there's a couple options there. But, yeah, I, I could see 12 happening really quick. Okay. And I'll just remind everybody here because uh, it's TSN 5. Obviously, uh, TSN has the World Cup, so they're showing that United States game. But if you're looking okay. for the Stingers tonight, go to TSN Five. That's that's live. You guys, li- like it's not online or anything. It's uh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's people can get on TSN Five the wow. uh, Stingers against the Calgary Surge, which is pretty cool. All right, thanks for doing this, especially while you're on the bus getting to the game. Uh, clinch that playoff yep. spot tonight, Reed. And uh, we'll definitely yep. talk uh, to you and more of your guys here as the season. Yeah, appreciate it. There we go. A little bit of uh, live cheering to take us out. Reed Clark with the Edmonton Stingers. So, two games left in the regular season. They they win one of them. They uh, they clinch a playoff spot, and then they can try to play their way to Vancouver for that championship weekend in August. Okay, we are back with Daryl Mookie Mitchell inside sports on 630 Chat.